0: welcome to the sermon podcast from compass church in this august fifteenth, 2021 message luke hettinger continues the church on mission mini-series preaching from john 21 bringing good news for those who feel like imposters and how our doing flows out of our being for more information please check out compass amen My name is Luke. Uh, I I get to help out with worship. If you don't know me, uh, I get to help out with worship a lot. And sometimes I get to get to preach. So this morning, um, this is our second week in this just three-week series called Church on Mission. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 21. That's where we're going to be. That's where we're going to be this morning. Um, but if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go on our on our new brand new website. Some of you are like, I didn't know that existed. It does. Go on our brand new website. Listen to the message from last week. Craig did a fantastic job of just kind of laying out what we're talking about when we're talking about being a church on mission. And this this week, um, as I was thinking about, okay, yeah, you know, what what does this continue to look like? The thing that kind of came up in me, and the thing that I kept thinking about was this, this thing called imposter syndrome. You guys ever heard of this? You ever heard of imposter syndrome? Uh, some of you, yes. Some of you are staring at me. Maybe you don't know. Well, um, if you if you go to Wikipedia, which is the 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 place for the the most uh, comprehensive understanding of yes, there's yes, Wikipedia. It's a great thing. Um, I'm kidding. Anyway, it's it's early. I get it. But Wikipedia says this about imposter syndrome and says it is a psychological pattern. In which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Did you catch? Did you catch that? It, the idea is it's this it's this way of being, or it's this understanding in the world that that you know everything I do it's it's not really that great, and actually at some point along the way somebody's going to realize that I am not who I say that I am, that I can't do what I say that I can do, that 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 you know it's like the Wizard of Oz, you know when when uh, the I, I'm trying to remember exactly this scene, but it's like hey there's a curtain here, what's behind the curtain, and there's this little man like doing all these dials and levers and stuff and there's like pay no attention to the man behind the curtain and and that is the wizard right it's it's that that at some point I'm going to be found out and and that is something that I have struggled with almost my entire life, this, this imposter syndrome. I remember being on the the baseball team, my small town um, in Northeast Missouri, you know, summers, I just wanted to watch Saturday morning cartoons. Um, And yet it's this, there's this expectation that I'm a guy, I live in small town Missouri, you play baseball. One problem, I was terrible at baseball, Uh, just terrible. Um, I was that kid that like, okay, great. I'm glad you're here. Go to left field, I guess. Yeah, sure. We need seven kids in the outfield. Why not? Um, and I'd be out there, you know, like picking dandelions with my baseball glove on my head and, you know, just, just doing my own thing. And I, and I remember a friend of mine was like, hey, you know how you, know, you, know how you really look like you're on the team? You know, you know what to, you're supposed to do? You, what you do is when you're in the dugout, you just rub dirt all over your, your pants, because there were times where, you know, the, the kids that, that could actually play baseball, they looked different than me at the end of a game. You know, when you're, good game, good game, good game, good game. It's like, my uniform was pristine. And it's like, I did, n- I, you could tell, I did nothing. So it's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll rub dirt all over me and I'll really look like I did something. And yet there was this, there's this reality that at some point people are going to be like, why are you dirty? You, you know you didn't do anything. Why, why why do you look like that? You you know, it's like I am gonna be found out. I remember when I was when I was 24, 23 years old, um, getting the, the taking the head pastor position of a church in, in a small town Iowa and this reality like I can remember being in my office thinking at some point people are gonna realize I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm a child. Uh, we, we had been married for just a short time. I had one kid and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give marital advice to people that are older than my parents. And it's like, this does not work. And I, I remember I would come home and I'd be like, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. And at some point people are going to realize that. See, the reality is this isn't just me. It's not just me. I'm not the only one that, that feels this way. Actually, um, I, I have something in common with uh, Lady Gaga. If you know Lady Gaga, yeah, some of you are like, oh my goodness. You-. I, I, I don't know any of Lady Gaga's music, but, but I do know that Lady Gaga suffers from imposter syndrome. This is a this is thing that she said. I still sometimes feel like a loser kid in high school. And I just have to pick myself up and tell myself that I'm a superstar every morning so that I can get through this day and be for my fans what they need for me to be. I heard somebody over here going, yeah. Doesn't that just kind of like grab your heart? Like a a person that, you know, Lady Gaga, she's a a superstar, singer, talented person. And at the end of the day, she's saying, yeah, I I feel like at some point people are going to find out that I'm a fraud that I don't know what I'm doing. See, when we think about being a, a church on mission, when we think about being people on mission, it is really hard to understand what it is that our mission is meant to be or, or what we're meant to do when we have this belief that at some point we're going to be found out that we don't know what we're doing, that maybe sometimes we don't, we don't practice what we preach, that, that the things that we truly believe aren't the things that we live out of. And, and the question of what does it mean to be a church on mission, we have to first say, well, what do we do with this feeling of being imposters? What do we, what do, we do with this feeling that people, you know, people say, oh, the church is full of hypocrites. It's like, ooh, that kind of hits close to home. What do we do with that feeling? What do we do with that problem? And, and what I want us to do is we look at John chapter 21 is we see the apostle Peter dealing with the same exact thing that Lady Gaga deals with, the same exact thing that I have dealt with for my entire life. So the question is, again, what do we do with that if we're to be people on mission? I think we see something in, in John chapter 21. So... What we're going to do, I'm not going to have you stand because we're going to take this chunk by chunk. Um, and I'm not going to have you say, you know, thanks be to God after every time I read it. We, we do that usually, but we're not going to do that this morning. Um, I just want us to, to read and we're going to, we're just going to read a little bit and then we're going to take it. We're going to talk about it. John chapter 21, starting in verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Let's stop there. What do we see in this, in this situation? Again, if, we, if we're to look at scripture and not flatten it out, thinking about, okay, these are real people in a real period of time dealing with real things and real issues and real feelings, all of this stuff. What, where we come into the story at in John chapter 21 is that, is that Jesus was crucified, was resurrected, and now they're kind of in this in-between place where they're, they're not quite sure what's going to happen next. We know from, from reading uh, in, in the beginning of Acts that, that Jesus calls them together and the end of Matthew, he gives them the great commission and even, uh, even in the last chapter, he kind of commissions them uh, but they're kind of in this in-between place where they're not sure what's going to happen. They're not sure when Jesus is going to show up again because, because he just keeps kind of popping up. Um, if, if, as we read on, it'll say that this is the third time that Jesus appears to his disciples in this way. And it's, it's so interesting to me that they're just kind of like, they're like, "Ah, what do we do? Where do we go? You're never sure when Jesus is going to show up. And not only that, but Peter is still living in this weird in between, like, like he denied Christ. He, he, denied, he denied Jesus three different times right before his crucifixion, right before, right before the, the darkest moment in Jesus' life. Peter, the rock, the one who, who, when Jesus says, who do people say that I am? He says, you're the Christ, you're the son of God. And, and Jesus says, blessed are you, Peter. Because, because people didn't tell you this. God told you this. And uh, upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter's like, oh yeah, all right. But now he's in, this, he's in this weird in-between spot where it would be bad enough, it would be bad enough if he, if he would have uh, denied Jesus and said, I don't know him. Because that's what happens the third time. He calls curses down upon himself. I don't know what that looked like, but he calls curses down upon himself. I don't know the man. And in Luke's gospel, it says that he looked across the courtyard and Jesus locked eyes with him in that moment. It says that Peter went out from that moment and wept bitterly. And now they're in this spot that he doesn't know when Jesus is going to show up again. Like that would have been bad enough. All of that would have been bad enough if Jesus would have died and stayed dead. He would have had this 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 ongoing shame, this ongoing like oh, I did this thing. But now Jesus didn't stay dead, and he has no idea when he's going to come back around. It's like if if you have a problem with somebody and you don't really know when you're going to run into them again, and you're at the grocery store and you're just there to get milk, and you're you're walking through, and all of a sudden that person's at the end of the aisle, you know, and you're like, oh, you know, like trying to. Nobody? Nobody's ever done it? Yeah, okay, yeah. It's, it's that weird feeling, and Peter's like, I did this thing, and now Jesus is alive, which is good, but, but we haven't talked about this thing, which is really hard and really bad. And in that moment, when, when Peter's saying, oh, I thought I was this... I thought I was this rock star apostle upon which Jesus was going to do all these different things. I got to walk on water. I got to see people raised from the dead. I got to cast out demons through the power of the Holy Spirit. I got to do all these things. And and yet now I've been found out. Who I thought I was isn't who who I, I, I am. And so what does he say in the midst of that, in the midst of all of this tension and turmoil, what does Peter say? What did he say there? I'm going fishing. Who was Peter before Jesus called him to be his disciple? Huh? He was a fisherman. He was a fisherman. What, what do we see Peter doing in the midst of that? He's saying, I thought I was going to be this. Jesus called me. He put these things upon me. He, he saw something in me that nobody else saw. And yet what did I do? I, I spit on it. I turned from him. And he's in this place where he's like, I don't know what to do. I thought I could be this. I obviously can't be that. And so I'm just going to go back to what I know. I'm going fishing. Yeah, it's, it's not great. But it's what I know. See, we, we do that so often. The, this idea of imposter syndrome, it's there. And, and we're like, I, I don't know what to do. And so I'm just going to hide in, in what I know to be true. This is, this is my experience. This is what experience has shown me to be. Yeah, I, I don't like living in this place. I don't like being this person that does these things, but I don't know what else to do. And so Peter, he goes back fishing and the, the other disciples was like, yeah, we're, we'll go with you. And I, I don't know about you, but there are so many times in my life where that has been the case. Where, where it's like, I, I thought one time... Um, Real quick story. I played soccer in college. Pretty big deal, right? I'm a collegiate soccer player. The, I mean, the, if you fill in the blanks, it's not that impressive. I went to a school. I think there were 80 people at this school when we went to the school. <laughs> so it's not that impressive. We actually, we actually did a petition to get a soccer team at this small Bible college in Iowa. I had never played soccer before I played it in college, I was just this walk on. They're like, you got to play for us. It's like, yeah, uh, that's really not what happened. But I was like, I like soccer. I like running. I, you know, whatever. I've never played before, but let's do this thing. And I can remember, you know, I was going to practice and I was, you know, I could do some things. And I remember the first game that we had, it was kind of this like, like, I don't know. It was like a practice game with this other, this other Bible college in a, in a different town. And, and I was a forward striker, I don't know if you know what that means, but I I played on offense, um, you know, trying to kick the ball on the goal. And I remember the whole game, this guy that was guarding me, he kept yelling at me. He kept yelling at me, and then he would yell at the ref, and he'd yell at me, and he'd yell at the ref, and he he kept saying this thing that I'd never heard of, and he kept saying, offsides! Offsides! You're offsides! Ref! Offsides! All day, ref! Offsides! And I, like, he just, he kept yelling at me, and finally I was like, hey, man, like, if you tell me what that means, I'll try to stop doing it. <laughs> Some of, yeah, I mean, it's funny. Some of you don't know what that means. It's fine, you can look it up. But there was a point, as I'm playing, I got so frustrated. I got so frustrated because I had the jersey, I had the position, I, 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 I was running, I thought I was doing all these different things, only to find out I looked like a fool because I could not be what I wanted to be so badly. And so there was a point at which I just wanted to be like, you know what, I'm done. You know what, I, I, here's my jersey, take it. And I think that's what happens oftentimes in our Christian life. We come to this place where we're like, I just look like a fool. I've confessed this sin so many times. I have cried over this sin so many times. I just look like a fool. Here's my jersey, I'm going back to what I know. See, that's, that's imposter syndrome. That's, that's what it tells us. You are not who God says that you can be. You are not, how dare you think that you can be more? How dare you think that you can be what Scripture says that you are? And yet into that, Peter says, yeah, I'm going back. I'm going fishing. And yet into that, I love it because that's not where the story stops. Peter doesn't just go back and the disciples are like, yeah, we'll go back. And then, and that's the end, the next book. That's not what happens. What what do we see? Verse four, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. Okay, let's stop there. Um, One thing we didn't look at is the very end of verse three. It says, they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Guys, real quick before we move on. Isn't it, so, uh, isn't it so telling of our experience that when we do that, when we say, here's my jersey, I'm going back, yeah, I'm going to this thing. I've talked to so many people. They say, I thought that I could get fulfillment through sex because I, I just want to be connected to people. I thought I could get fulfillment through money because I, I want security. I thought I could do this. And yet the, the fact is we are left empty, dry, hopeless, lost, have you been there before? I have. We're left in this place where it's like, man, what, even the thing that I thought I could do doesn't fulfill me. What am I supposed to do? And into that, Jesus comes into the scene and he's, he's standing on shore. Uh, let me keep reading on. Jesus on shore, he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple, whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped from work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. So they're a hundred yards from land. They see this guy on land. They're working all night. I mean, so, they're working so hard that we see that Peter is stripped from work. I mean, he's working so hard. He's so sweaty. He's like, these clothes are just getting in my way. I don't, I've never worked that hard where it's like, I just got to get naked. you right. But that's where they're at. All right. It's a cultural thing. I don't know. They're working so hard. The thing that they thought was going to, to bring them fulfillment doesn't. And now there's this guy on land about a, a hundred yards off saying, hey, children, Now that that term children, it's actually this endearing term. It could be be read as like, hey boys, or hey my, my little ones. I find that hilarious. They're working so hard, they're working all night long, they haven't caught anything, and all of a sudden they hear somebody from the shore saying, hey boys, you got any fish? That's how I read it. Like, no, no we don't have any fish, why don't you go away, buddy? And then he responds, why don't you cast the net on the other side of the boat? Oh yeah, why don't you <laughs> fill in the blank with expletives or they're their fishermen. You know, it's like, it, that's what I would be thinking. It's like, this guy's, mal- I'm having the worst night of my life. I'm trying to go back to what I know. It's not fulfilling me. I'm having the worst night of my life. And now this guy comes up, calls me a little child, tells me to cast the net on the other side of the boat. So you want me to cast the net from here to here? I don't know much about fish, but it seems like it's the same water, right? Under the boat. See, what, what I want us to understand in this is that Jesus is so good to come back into this place where Peter's like, yeah, I thought I could do that. I can't. I'm doing this. He's in the grips of that imposter syndrome that we talked about. And yet into that, Jesus comes in and he says, I'm not going to leave you there. Yeah, I, I know that you feel exposed. I'm not going to leave you there. I know that you're trying to find your fulfillment in things that don't fulfill. I'm not gonna leave you there. And he comes in and he says, will you do this thing? And and I love it because, because what happens after that, they throw the net on the other side. There's so much fish. And I believe what we're supposed to read in this account is we're supposed to connect this to the calling of Peter in Luke chapter five when Jesus comes into Peter's boat and he says, hey, will you let down your net for a catch? And Peter's like, I fished all night. I didn't catch anything but if you tell me to I'll do it he let down his net what happens so much fish he can't even pull it up see in that moment I believe what we're supposed to connect is oh Jesus is coming in and where Peter's saying I am nothing but a fisherman Jesus saying no you're more than that oh you're so much more I know that your sin, your temptation, your struggles, that's what, that's what you think identifies you, but I have so much more for you than this. I have a bigger life. I have a more full life for you than just what your sin tells you. And, and John in that moment, he said, it's it's the Lord. That's the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's John. And he's saying, it's, it's Jesus. It's the Lord. And what does Peter do? He, he ties his clothes up around him, he throws himself in the water, and he's like, I just want to be near him. See, I think that what we need to, to understand when we're in the grips and the throes of this imposter syndrome, when our sin comes up around us and says, this is who you really are. See, we have a temptation to hide in our, in our understanding of, of, well, yeah, okay, this is who we are, and we hide. And yet Peter, when he's confronted with Jesus, what does he do? He doesn't hide. He's like, I just want to be with you. I want to be where you are. And so many times in my personal walk in my life, man, when I'm in this spot of of just sin and I am just this stuff, I oh, I am, and I just get bogged down. And it's like an anchor around my soul, man. When I when I come into places like I, I remember there was a time I was going to Bible college. I was a new Christian. And yet there were still sins in my life that had me weighed down. That I that I had this understanding, I had this mindset of, of this imposter syndrome that if people truly knew what I had done, there's no way they would love me. If people knew who I really was, if people knew that I was this, my identity was this, if people knew that, they would not love me, they would not accept me, everybody would leave me. And so what I did was any time I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And and small Bible college, Iowa, we had chapel every day. Sometimes it was just nap time, I'll confess that. But there were times where it's like God would move. Holy Spirit was there. He was present. And every time that happened, I was like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. Oh, I I, I better, I got to get ready for the next class. I ducked out because that's what we do when that imposter syndrome comes up. You're going to be found out. You aren't aren't this. You're that. You aren't new. You're not a new creation. Would a new creation struggle with the things you struggle with? Would a new creation do the things that you've done? You're this. This is your identity. And so anytime we feel the hand of God pressing in on those sore parts of our bodies and those sore parts of our lives, we hide. And yet Peter in the midst of, of, of seeing, being brought back to saying, maybe I am maybe I can be a fisherman, maybe, maybe God is, is drawing me to be more than just a fisherman. He throws himself into the sea, he swims to Jesus, and, and it it seems like the way, the way that that it reads, like he just wants to be next to him. He's swimming a hundred yards, he gets to the shoreline, and, and I don't know about you, but swimming a hundred yards, I'd be winded. I mean, he's a fisherman. He's around water a lot. But, but in my mind, this is how it plays out. Jesus swims, and, and he's there. And, and all of a sudden, what does he see? Like he's out of breath. <sighs> he's excited because Jesus is there, but it's still a little weird because they haven't addressed this thing that he had done. There's still this like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a fisherman, but maybe, maybe I can be more. And all of a sudden, he gets on shore, and it says, when they got out on land, they saw what? What does your bible say? They saw huh? A fire. What kind of fire? A charcoal fire. Coals. They saw a charcoal fire. Why is why is that important? This is the second place that John records there being a charcoal fire. Do you know where the other place was? You remember? It was where where Peter denied Jesus. He warmed himself. John says um, a few chapters earlier. It says that while he was warming himself over a charcoal fire, people were like, "Wait a second! Aren't you one of his disciples? Wait a second! I, I recognize that accent. Are you with Jesus? Are you? Wait a second! I know. I've seen you." And he says, "Blankety blank, sassafras, you know whatever the expletives were." As he's cursing, drawing curses down upon us. "I do not know him." And he looks over and he sees Jesus. And they lock eyes and, and just his whole world crumbles. And now he swims to shore. He hears that it's Jesus. He swims to shore. He's getting a, He looks up and what does he see? A charcoal fire. Have you ever been in a situation where you smell something or you hear a song and it takes you back to a moment? Have you ever been in a situation like that? Yeah. For me, I can remember, again, I, I don't know why all the country music, I, you know, growing up in northeast Missouri, country music, that's all you listen to. I don't know why most country music was about underage drinking, but that's, <laughs> it is, right? Or at least it was. I don't know. But, but you know, sometimes when, when I, I'm in gerbs and the music comes on the radio, like, uh, Strawberry wine, 17, 17. You guys remember that song? Somebody, no. And please stop singing it. When when I hear that song or uh, like Watermelon Crawl, I, stupid stupid, you know, stupid songs like that. It's like I haven't heard this like Grundy County Auction. I went down to the Grundy County Auction. Yeah, my wife is like, "Don't, please stop." It's it's funny because like I haven't heard this song in years, and now it's, it's in my brain. And then the next place that I go is I'm right back in my 1989 Dodge Daytona, driving to school in the back roads of, of uh, northeast Missouri. I'm right back in that place. For, for me, there's times where the smell of an artificial Christmas tree takes me right back to the place. When I was 11 years old, I was, I, we're, we're putting up our Christmas tree. the day after Thanksgiving because that is the designated time you put up a Christmas tree. We all know that. And so we're, we're putting up a Christmas tree, smelling that smell. We get the call that my great-grandmother had just passed away. I smell that smell. and I'm right back in that place. I'm feeling the same emotions. I'm feeling the same like, sense of loss and wrongness. And this isn't the way the world should be. What do you think Peter is experiencing as he swims and he wants to be next to Jesus because he's thinking maybe I can be more and he comes to the place where the thing that he feared the most is now right in front of him. He's right back in that place. Why why do you think Jesus did that? Do you think it's because Jesus is like, Peter, you remember the last time you were on a charcoal fire? Remember? I do. It was right before they killed me. Right? No, I think, I think what we see here is, is Jesus is bringing Peter back to the worst night of his life because he's saying, Peter, there's healing. What do we do with imposter syndrome? We come out of hiding, right? We come out of hiding. That's what we do. When imposter syndrome has us in our gifts, it's saying, you are this. You are your sin. You are these different. The gospel says, yes, you are, and I have covered it. The gospel says, yes, you have done, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, says, as were some of you. And it's right after this list of sinful things and debauchery and idolatry and all these different things. And he says, as were some of you, but. See, the gospel says, yes, you are that. You were that and now you are something new. And yet the reality is when we live our lives in hiding we cannot experience the newness of, of what the gospel actually calls us to because we're so, we're so consumed with being found out with what might happen. And yet Jesus is saying, no, you've been found out. You've been found out and I've taken it. You've been found out. It, it reminds me of Psalm, I um, have it written down here. Psalm uh, 32. David says this, and this is right, like around his sin with Bathsheba. He says, "For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me; my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer." That's what happens when we live in that place of, of sins being unrepented of, things being unacknowledged. Where we're like, oh, "This is who I am, and I can't, I, I can't tell anybody, I can't show anybody, because if they knew, then blah 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 blah." Our, our we just wither away. Our relationships crumble. The, the things we truly want to be, we can never be because we're so wrapped up in all of this. And yet, and yet David says this, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Amen. Amen. See, I believe that there are probably some of us in here where we're in that same spot, and maybe you're even feeling it right now. Those, those identities that have pulled you back, those things that have pulled you back, you have given in. And the shame is like an anchor around your soul, and you're coming back to the place, and Jesus is saying, hey, I see you. I see you, and, and I know that it hurts. And I know there's all this fear. That imposter syndrome comes up and it wants to tear you down. It wants to keep you back to that place that I've called you out of already. And yet, will you come to me? Will you confess your sin? Will you come to the place? Maybe it's the darkest place in your history. Will you come back to that place and will you receive the healing that I offer? It's like in, in Isaiah's calling, in Isaiah chapter 6, um, Isaiah, this, this priest, he goes into the, the, the tabernacle, he goes into the temple, and all of a sudden God shows up. And in that experience, as, as the angels are flying around, as God's presence is filling the temple, what does Isaiah say? Do you remember? Yeah, woe, is me. woe is me! He's confessing his sin, he's saying, I'm undone. Why? Yeah, he's saying, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. He's saying, here's my sin. And as we get closer to God, that sin gets exposed, and Isaiah says, I can't take it anymore. And he confesses a sin, and what happens right after that is an angel of the Lord comes down, takes a coal off of the altar of sacrifice, the sacrifice that has been made to cleanse the sins of the people. He takes the, what's on the sacrifice, he says, see He touches it to his mouth, the very place that Isaiah confesses sin. He says, here's my sin. Here's where it is. God comes in and he says, and that's exactly where I'm going to heal you. That's exactly where I want to heal you. See, what do we do with imposter syndrome? We come out of hiding. We come out of hiding. We get exposed because exposure to Christians is like healing balm right? And right after that, right, I love it because Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus goes on and he says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You see, what we see here is as, as Peter is coming out, as he's being exposed, and as, as Jesus is bringing him back to this place, he's saying, Peter, this is who you are. He's, he's bringing him into this place where he's saying, this is, this is who, who I've called you, Peter. You're more than just a fisherman. I have more for you than that. But he brings him into this place where he's saying, Peter, do you love me more than these? As, as the imposter syndrome, as he's getting exposed, he's saying, okay, Peter, let's, let's, let's come to terms with some things. Do you love me more than these? And the these, it's not, it's not very specific. We don't really know what the these that, that Jesus is even talking about there. It could be, Peter, do you love me more than this catch of fish that you just brought in? Because that's where you kept going back to. Do you love me more than this identity that you said, well, I'm just gonna go be a fisherman? Do you love me more than that? Do you love me more than these disciples around? Do you love me more than, than this boat that you have? Do you love me more than these? And, and that could be it. And in the midst of that, Peter's saying, yes, yes, Lord, I love you. And that word, Lord, it's, it's saying, you are in control. You have, you have power. You have authority. My future is yours. My stuff is yours. My, my, my sin, my temptation, everything, God, I want you to have it. And yet he asks him again, Simon, do you love me more than these? Three times he asked him. Why do you think three times he asked him the same question? Why do you think that is? Because he denied him three times. Guys, I I feel almost, there's emotion around that in me right now. Because I I feel like what we see here is that it's like, Peter, you know how many times you've denied me? Yeah, guess how many times I'm going to forgive you and bring you back. What we see is the good shepherd at work bringing his sheep back to the fold. I mean I think the question is what have you done as you sit there and you're saying you don't know me Luke. You don't know what I've done. You don't you don't know my hypocrisy. You don't know even you know some of you might be big things. Some of you it's really little things. I think as we as we grow in our Christian walk like like little things feel like bigger things. Because it's like, I can't believe I still struggle with this. I can't believe I still think about people this way. Oh, that was gossip. Oh, that was, that was slander, if I'm to be honest. Oh, that was this or that. And, and these things get exposed. And yet I believe what we see here is the good shepherd coming in and saying, yeah, okay, let's keep doing work. Let's keep doing work. You are my child. You are forgiven. You are new. Let's continue to act like that. Yeah, you, you want to keep going back to that? All right, let's talk about that. Three times Peter denies. Three times Jesus comes in and says, will you come back to me? And I love it because the, the third time that Jesus asks this, it says that, that Peter's grieved and, and he's, realizing, he's realizing what happens. There, there is a grief that comes when we realize that we've gone back, but it's, it's, it's a good grief. It's a godly grief that brings us to repentance. And the third time, it says that he used two words for knowing. You know all things. You know that I love you. In, in Greek, those are two different ways to, to say something. They're two different ways to get across an idea. The first know that Peter used, it's this kind of basic knowing. It's like, yeah, you know everything. Yeah, you know everything. But the second one's like, no, you, you know everything. You're in control of everything. See, I believe that we move from Peter being like, yeah, I'm with you to I'm all in. I don't know what that means. I don't know where you have me going, but, but I'm all in. And as the imposter syndrome kind of gets stripped away and as Peter gets, uh, gets found out and as, as his sin is kind of undone, he sees and says, yes, I give it to you. And I love because, because in that we see that, that as, as Jesus is saying, okay, this is who you are. And he says, okay, th- now let's talk about what you do. Because our doing comes out of our being. Do you catch that? We, we as, as believers, as people, we struggle sometimes knowing, okay, what do I do? Because we don't know who we're supposed to be. And when we lean into who God calls us to be, then we can understand what God calls us to do. We can't be a church on mission if we're just focused on doing, 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 doing before we focus on being, 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 being. Who, who has God called you to be? See, out of that question, again, flows, what has God called you to do? And I love it because after that, Jesus, after he's like, okay, now this is what you do. Uh, Verse 18, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hand and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. See, there's a lot of things we could say about this, but I believe what Jesus is saying to Peter is he's saying, look, things are gonna get hard. Just because we're focused on being and now there's clarity on doing doesn't mean that it's an easy path. Things are gonna get difficult. It, It is difficult to live a life on mission. There are so many things that wanna call us back. There are so many things, maybe it's from your past, Maybe it's from from the people around you, your jobs. There are so many ways that we want to come to the place where we say, I'm okay because look at all I've done. I'm okay because look at how busy I am. I'm okay because look at my relationship. I'm okay because fill in the blank. And Jesus is saying, okay, when you come out of imposter syndrome and you are exposed and you experience the freedom that comes with Christ, the mission that comes afterwards might be really, really difficult. And I, I, love, I love Peter's response in that. Peter, in verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? Which is John. We know, we know elsewhere. Verse 21, when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. I love Peter's response in that, where it's like, hey, this is gonna be hard. And he immediately starts to look around and, and it's almost like he's trying to find other things to gauge his value against. Well, what about him? Well, what about this thing? What about this thing that I've done? Or what, it's, it's like, a, like a yearbook. You remember getting a yearbook? Some of you, it's like, I don't remember a yearbook. It's been a long time. But I remember getting my yearbook and, and you'd look at your picture in the yearbook and sometimes your picture would look better or worse depending on the people that were pictured next to you. Right? It's like, oh, why did I have to get put next to the good looking guy in my class? And we do that in our spiritual walk. You know, as, as we talk about the body of Christ in 1 in, uh, Corinthians, when, when Paul's talking about, can the ear say to the eye, I don't need you, or the, you know, we can, we can get off on this thing as we get exposed, we can then really quickly start to scramble and say, well, what else can I gauge my value against? How, how else can I, can I find my identity? What, are, what, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And Jesus, I believe he's, he's stopping and saying, no, 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 no. Your doing comes out of your being. So Christian, this morning, my question for us as we think about what does it mean to be a church on mission? The first thing we have to ask ourselves is, okay, that's that's a lot about doing, which I'm all for that. But our doing comes out of our being. For you, maybe, maybe maybe you're like, oh, I can relate to Lady Gaga this morning. I feel that tension. I feel like at some point people are. I'm gonna be exposed. People are gonna see that I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe, maybe you're like, yeah, I've tried the whole Christian thing. I can't do it. I'm, I'm just this. I'm just a drunkard. I'm just a liar. I'm just a pervert. I'm just a cheater. There's so many things that the world would say, this is, this is who you really are. You think you can be that? This is who you are. And yet the question I have for us this morning is, what would Jesus say? As, as we get exposed, what do we do with imposter syndrome? We come out. We stop hiding. We kind of slough it off. We say, Jesus, who do you say that I am? So that would be my question for you this morning. Where, where are you trying to find your identity? Where are you trying to find that stuff? And who would Jesus say that you are? Let's pray. God, I praise you that you didn't leave Peter in his boat. You didn't try and teach him a lesson. You didn't try and rub it into him with that charcoal fire. Jesus, in love, you called him out from his from his identity, from, from that place that, that he went back to. You called him out from that. And you reinforced what you saw him as. Not, not just a fisherman, but a fisher of men. Not just a guy who was a disappointment. Not just a guy who was, who was just left to live a life of shame because of his, his failure. And, and God, we we know the rest of Peter's story. That yes, he was broken. Yes, he he still got a lot of things wrong. And yet, God, when he was exposed by you, you used him to to change the world. So, God, maybe, maybe there are people in here. The fear of exposure, and yet, God, I pray, I pray this morning that you would help us to come out from that. Help us to stop hiding. And God, as we as we lean into who you say that we are, God, I pray that then we could find and we could we could step into what you call us to do. That you would help us to be a church on mission because we are people who have been set free. This sermon is part of the ministry of Compass Evangelical Free Church in Columbia, Missouri. We seek to be a church where Christ's love is at work transforming lives through the power of the Spirit to the glory of God. For more information, check out compassefc.com.